Please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 23 this morning. Good to see you all here. Glad we got some uh, folks who knew how to adjust their clock, whatever. Um, I'm always surprised when folk make it. I've had a lot of stories with that time change back and forth in my life, being way early or being late and stuff like that. I'm glad you're here. You know, uh, this... Um, this flu season, all this stuff that's going on, you know, I've, I got advice both ways. I have wise people who say, hey, preacher, we should just probably just chill out hugging and shaking hands for a little while. Just it's wisdom, blah, blah, blah. People come from all over the world here. And I go, yes. And uh, then I got other people going, oh, come on, man. We got to shake some hands, ain't we? You know, so it's a wonderful thing being a pastor, you know. <laughs> Yeah, wisdom from both sides, and I'm stuck in the middle. Um, I uh, appreciate you all. I, you're being obedient, whether you know it or not, by being here at church today. The, God, the Bible calls it the assembly. It says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, it, as some do, and because uh, there's great value. Anybody has any understanding, and people do not have understanding of the Bible. If you know anything about the local New Testament church, um, we are here for a purpose. It's God's wish. It's Christ's wish that we be here together to edify, to build each other up, to challenge each other, to push the gospel in our community and around the world. It's God's will. It's not something I made up. Um, not smart enough. I wouldn't have done it. But So I thank you for being here. I wish, I wish as I look in the audience, I wish I could be close to every one of you. I wish... During the week, every one of us could go get a hamburger together and talk about the things of God, talk about our lives, the struggles of our lives, the hurts of our lives. Uh, even the Bible talks about that. I go through things, you go through things. And the grace of God moves into our lives to help us. And it's, but it's not supposed to stay with us. It's to be passed down to the next person, the wisdom, the strength that we got from God. We're supposed to be there for the next person who goes through the trial that we go through. Simple. The Bible is very simple, but we're lazy. Our flesh is contrary to the Word of God. Therefore, we do not reap the benefits of it. Sometimes we read the Bible and see it right in our face and just flat disobedient to it. Amen. Now we can go to Matthew chapter 23. Uh, the next four or five messages that I give will all be in the time frame of the last week of the Lord Jesus Christ while he is on the earth. And there is much, much material centered around that time period in his life. Uh, guys, if you just throw up on the, the diagram up on the screen just for a second. Uh, just simple. Just one, I always try to ram this through, drive this home to every person, every young person. This is history. This is factual. This is the way it worked out right here. I'm going to pick up in chapter 23. I'm going to read in uh, verse verse 1 and 2, and then skip over to verse 27, so that you have context. <clears throat> verse 1 says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples. Last week that he's on this earth, before he dies on the cross, and is physically resurrected, a bodily resurrection, he says this to the multitude, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. That speaks of authority. In verse 27, it goes on, but he talks about these scribes and Pharisees all throughout this chapter. 
I think eight times he uses the word woe unto them. It's a very strong rebuke. It's about a, it's a word that has to do with judgment, things like this. But in verse 27, he's specific here. He says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, the ones who are the spiritual and moral authority for all of Israel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. He says, hypocrites. You're hypocrites. You say one thing, you do another thing. He says, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers. That's a tombstone. He says, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanliness. On the outside, you look religious. You look moral. But on the inside, you are not. The religious leaders of the day, even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers of the righteous. What, was he, what is he talking about there? He's talking about they put righteous people to death. The prophets who come in God's name, they put to death and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have part, been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. He goes on and says, ye serpents. He's, he's Jesus' name caller, amen. All right. He says, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can ye escape the damnation of hell? Ain't a whole lot of loving part of Jesus here, is there? Amen. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. Wherefore, behold, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall, he's talking future tense here, you same people, some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them you'll scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel all the way from the beginning of creation until the blood of Zacharias, the son of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Father, I pray you'd help us today. The thing that's disturbing our mind and our heart right now, dear God, would we abandon that and bring our attention to your word this morning. There will always be troubles in our lives, dear God. I'm old enough to know that now. There will always be stuff to distract us from that which is spiritual. Why are we here together with the brothers and sisters? Could we abandon that and search you? The answer for every problem in our lives, dear God, lies with you. Dear Father, help us the person who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, would they find out who he is today and receive him for forgiveness of sins? The Christian that is struggling to walk with you, dear God, bring them back to where they need to be in their life, dear God. Help them. Send folk to help them, dear God. But we need your help. We, we acknowledge that today. Pray you're blessed now in Jesus' name. Amen. The older I get... It just seems like there's more information in the Bible, even in short passages. Um, it seems like I could preach five sermons of what I've spoken 
talk to you about this morning. I'm not threatening you or anything. I'm just telling you. The information is so much more obvious. I look now and I go, how did I ever miss that stuff? But I have to choose what I'm going to deliver today, and hopefully it's what God wants. You understand, in verse 1 and 2, when he speaks to the multitude, he said, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. This is the religion that God ordained by Moses 1,500 years before Jesus is on the earth, 3,500 years ago from where we stand today. This is the religion that God ordained. Uh, we don't, again, we don't see much of the love of God here. I think uh, the Bible, you see how we can manipulate the Bible if we want to. The teacher, the pastor, the evangelist, they all can manipulate the Bible. The Bible talks about death and destruction. Here Jesus says, talks about how are they going to escape the damnation of hell. But you don't hear that a lot preached. You don't hear that on the radio, on the television. That's not appealing to the flesh. Therefore, we avoid it, but it is still true. There is a place called heaven is a literal place like the place we stand upon the earth right now. There is a place called hell that God created for the devil and his angels. He says he's not willing that any person on this earth would go there. But if they go there, they go there by their own choice. It means they reject the love of God through the person of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. People manipulate the Bible make the words that God put in this book say something they were never meant to portray or say. Two things this morning, two simple things. There are things we have to watch for in our lives. We have to watch, first of all, for that which is false, that which is not truth. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of it out there today. Got that? That which is false. It's played off as truth, but it's false. Then we have to watch over here, we have to watch for that which is corrupt. Again, it has truth attached to it. That's what Jesus addresses there. They sit in Moses' seat, the seat of authority that God ordained 1,500 years before, but he says to them, you're corrupt. They have the truth, but they themselves are corrupt. And see, when we're that way in our walk with God, we're far away from him, it hurts the name of God. It hurts the truth that he has given us. There's that is false, and there's that which is corrupt. Um, in this book right here, I always drive this stuff home. I can take you to the beginning of this book right here that God has given to us and show you where we came from, creation. God spoke the worlds into existence. The phrase is ex nihilo, from nothing Time, space, matter. Now, there's a group over here that says, no, 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 that's not where we came from. And they spend their little things, and they, they write their little stories and their little fables or whatever. They put their little pictures, and, and they sell that as truth. But they have absolutely nothing to back that up with. You understand? Creation. I could take you this book and show you where we came from. Adam to Noah. Ten generations. I mean, not only can I tell you where we came from, I can show you when people were born, boom, 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 their names, how long they lived, who their children were, who their grandchildren were with. That's how specific this book is. You know the average person says, oh, the Bible's written by a bunch of men. You know they didn't even know that stuff's in there. Did you know that? 
They didn't even know the genealogies of mankind is right here in this book. They didn't know that you could take this book and you could figure out what the nations of the world, where they came from, where they started. They don't even know that. They just know it was written by a bunch of men. So you see, you have, you have truth and you have false, that which is false. I can take you from Adam to Noah. I can take you from Noah to Abraham. I can take you from Abraham to David. I can take you from David to Jesus Christ and show you the line of those people that were born that brought Christ into the world. Because what you have here in the beginning with Adam, you have Adam and Eve who sinned against God. Therefore, sin is passed upon all men, all of sin. Therefore, we have death and destruction in this world today. And it just keeps getting worse and worse. The more we push God away, the worse and worse it gets. Can take you all the way. This book, as it puts history and all these events, it goes from Adam. The Bible calls him the second Adam, and his name is Jesus Christ. That Adam brought sin into the world. This Adam, is, his name Jesus, is the remedy for sin in the world by his death on the cross of Calvary. It's so simple. But people don't read it. We are distracted by so many things. In the Bible, in, in, um, so, and by the way, that, that from Adam to the Lord Jesus, 4,000 years. Not only do they have the names, they have the dates that go along with it. Chronological order, it's incredible. It's 4,000 years, it's not millions of years. That's the fable, that's the fairy tale. Anybody, anywhere, anytime they want to talk about it. Because I'll ask you why you believe what you believe. And there is no evidence for what they believe. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3, it says, there's the beginning days, and the days of Jesus are called the last days. In the last days shall come many scoffers. Matter of fact, just take your Bibles and turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. I don't know how good you guys are on your little typing thing up there on the screen. If you can get it up there, get up there. The other pastors are so well prepared and give information to those guys. They never know where I'm going. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3. Who was Peter? Peter was a fellow who walked with Jesus three and a half years, who saw most of the things that Christ did, who heard his teaching, who saw him after the resurrection. So I would say he has a little authority when he speaks here. Amen. It says in verse 3 of chapter 3, 2 Peter, he says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, people who, ah, oh, come on, you don't believe that stuff, do you? You know, that's one of the tools of um, debating, and you know, you know just, ah, you, no, nah, that's not true. Oh, that was so factual. That was so astute of you, the way you did that, waved your hands, you know. But we let them get away with it. I could take you to Jude 18. They're called mockers. There'll come mockers in the last, day, last days who'll mock the creation, who'll mock the flood, who'll mock Jesus on the cross. It's the way it is. The Bible so clearly identifies everything that has taken place and that will take place. It's right there before our eyes. But we don't believe. People don't believe. People cannot be saved. People cannot turn from their sin and their life of sin until we tell them that they're sinners and that Christ died for their sins. 
You know, many people don't know that today. Many people in this city that we pass, work with, go by all the time, they don't know they're sinners. They think they're okay people. They don't know that Jesus came to die for them in their place. Look at this. Look at the rest of this verse. First, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Jude says same thing. He says their ungodly lust or their ungodly desires. See, the source of their conclusion, ah, there was no creation. Ah, there was no flood. Ah, Jesus wasn't God. Their conclusion is driven by their desire to live their life the way they want to live their life. That's what it says. And you know what? You and me used to be the same way. We didn't believe, we denied, we scoffed, we mocked, because I was, I, we love our sin. We love our lifestyle. It's killing us. It's, it's destroying our society right now. But there's something about the sin nature in us that loves our sin so much that we will let it destroy us. Absolutely incredible. So there it is. They conjure up false religions. They conjure up fairy tales and fables. God bless his little pea-picking heart, but Charles Darwin didn't have a clue what he was talking about. I get a fifth grader to go to the Galapagos Islands and come up with the biggest spin of stories he did, you know? This came from this and that came from that whatever. The damage that he has done to people, the tool that he gave Satan to deceive people and blind people is absolutely incredible. And men have just built on it and built on it and built on it. So you have, the problem you have in the world is there is falseness. There is that which is not truth. You know, the Bible says in John 17, 17, thy word, this book, is truth. That's an incredible claim to make. But that's the claim of the Bible. And for those who know anything about the Bible, it backs up the claim. Daniel Green is an incredible basketball player. Why are you laughing? You've never even seen me play. You have not heard of my renown down at the Blanchard YMCA? I take on men much younger than I am. I backed a guy down the other day and just, I, I schooled him in basketball. And there's a bunch of other young people watching. I said, do any, of my, any other eighth graders like to take me on? You know, you know? You understand? That which is false. And there's a little bit of truth in every bit of false, and that makes it look that much more appealing. But what Jesus deals with here in chapter 23 is the truth and corruptness attached to us. It is, what is, the, it is the excuse that many people, millions upon millions of people, have used the corruptness of men who sit in the seat of Moses, who sit in the seat, I should say, of spiritual authority. Their corrupt lives turn people away from the truth. It's one of the reasons I hate being a pastor. I hate to think that the, the, the failings of my life could turn people away from a holy, righteous, loving God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't like living with that pressure. But that's the pressure that we have, not just me, but you. 
I weary. I, I, I have to eat out a lot, so I talk to a lot of waiters and waitresses. And it's probably unfair, but a lot of waitresses and waitresses have a disdain for Christians. Because they know we're supposed to be different. The way we talk to people, the way we behave around them, the way we don't tip them, whatever, speaks volumes about our God. They expect us to be different. What we see here is corruptness. Jesus, in verse 33, he calls them serpents. He calls them vipers. But he says to the multitude, in the last week before he goes to the cross, he warns these people about their corruptness. What they, what's in the Word of God, what they base everything on is truth, but they themselves are corrupt. He says, you got the truth, but you got to ignore their corruptness. That's what Jesus would say to the unbelieving world today. Sorry that they're corrupt, but that will not be an excuse when you stand before in the day of judgment of rejecting the love of God in the person of Jesus Christ. That is the problem. We give people reasons to not believe. I, I always wondered why he calls them serpents and vipers. I'm sure I could find some big commentary and some guy would expound and tell me. I know about snakes. When I think of snakes, I don't think good things. I know a guy in the church that owns snakes. It's not because they're loving and affectionate, I'm telling you, okay? I mean, when I think of a snake, I think of stealth and subtle and deceit. I think about Satan in the garden as he deceives Adam and Eve. I think about their venom, their poison. Uh, over in my neighborhood years ago, I, I, there's something about snakes. I saw about a four-foot snake crossing the road, and he was wiggling, trying to get away, and I went over and I put my foot on him, and I said, I gotcha. And then he began to wrap around my leg. <laughs> and I'm going... Huh, how do I get out of this one, amen? Yeah, it's a funny story now, but it wasn't funny then, amen? Now, listen, does he have a triangle head or a square head? Is he poised? I, I always forget what it is. Is it black on red? I don't know. Just I know don't let him bite you, amen? That's the name. That's what he used to describe these guys who have this authority. That's incredible. He calls them serpents and snakes and hypocrites. Do you think those people exist today? Absolutely. Absolutely. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 16, it says there are people who sit in authority, who teach people the word and preach people the word. And it says they rest or they twist the scriptures to their own destruction. They teach things that are not in the Word of God. They manipulate the Bible to say what they want to say and deceive people. You know what these guys said? These Pharisees and scribes who had the spiritual authority, they said, <clears throat> Jesus is not the Christ. Well, what are you talking about? It's obvious that he was the Christ, the Messiah that would come and die for the sins of the world. Hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament these guys knew the Old Testament scriptures, and they could not identify him. Many did not, some did, but as a whole, they rejected him. They knew the scriptures, and still with their dark black hearts, rejected the Lord Jesus Christ.
It goes on today all the time. We live in a world of um, religions, false religions. Man, these preachers in the Christian movement who say, well, you know, we need to get along. Where do you find that in the Word of God? The Bible says, what fellowship hath light with darkness? We have to tell people that Christ is the only way to God. There is no other way. To be their friend on this earth and them die without Christ is so unfair. We can be kind about it. This is for the church today, amen. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, this is a challenge to the church to identify that which is false, to see that which is corrupt and not be discouraged because there are corrupt people in God's religion. Our eyes are to be on Christ. The Bible says we're supposed to set our affections above and not on this earth. I'm not following nobody down here. I love you. You've got to be careful. There's some great Bible teachers out there with some wonderful personalities, but you need to hold them accountable that they follow the Scriptures. Well, so-and-so said this, and so-and-so said that. Well, I've seen a lot of men going down the path, straight as an arrow, and veer off into corruptness or falseness. Well, we can't stand before God and say, well, so-and-so said. God said, I gave you the written word, man. You lived in America in 2020. Tools everywhere to understand the Word of God. Listen to this. Listen to the Word of God. Now, you've got to remember, look at that clock. You've got to remember God's never changed, and His Word has never changed. Here's a little tool you'll hear from deceivers. Well, that was Old Testament. Well, whoever God was in the Old Testament is who He is right now in the New Testament, okay? I'm just telling you. Just throwing that out there. Listen to this verse in Exodus. Exodus 34, 14. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I'm sorry. I can witness the folk. I, this week I've talked to five or six people about the Lord Jesus. One guy's nice guy. Nice guy. Nice guy. But he's got this collage of beliefs. You know? This book right here is true. You know, you think I preach on Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. I preach all the time. Yeah. Yesterday I went and put a fence up at my son-in-law's house in Apopka. I don't know what I'm doing out there, man. You know, but took two teenage boys from our church, and I'm driving down the road. I get a McDonald's biscuit for them. No, it's Chick-fil-A. I apologize. Chick-fil-A. And um, we talking about immorality. Young men, God doesn't want you having sex outside of marriage. I got these two boys. They're just sitting there listening, 15 and 16. You know? Which is, I'm just preaching. Why are you preaching? Because I know what they're getting ready to go through. Say, God can't bless your life. I, I got a couple young men that they, they want to. Men, I'm telling you, they're everywhere in this church. You get one under your arm and you teach them the word of God and you be a spiritual brother or spiritual father. They're everywhere. Don't have to have a program. You know, you got to finish, just call one up. Pay them 20 bucks for eight days out or eight, eight, eight hour work, amen? They think they hit the jackpot, you know? Just telling you. No other gods. Deuteronomy, listen to this, Deuteronomy 22, 5. I won't turn there. But it says that a woman should not wear that pertaineth to a man. Now, 40 years ago, I'd read that and go, 
Why would God put that in there? 40 years later I go, wow, the wisdom of God's word. That a woman ought not wear that pertains to a man. And it says that a man should not wear that which pertains to a woman. It didn't say we're supposed to hate those people, not love those people. But that's God's guideline. I'm sorry, Buddy Dyer, the mayor of Orlando, is wrong and God is right. The United Methodist Church is wrong and God is right. I'm telling you, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, He loves you. He came to die for our sins. The things that we so freely want to do, that our flesh wants to do, that drags us along, well, things that will destroy us. And those things which God puts into His Word are there to protect us and help us. My sin, if I, them boys, talking to them boys, you know your preacher has problems with sinning too, and they're both like, They're just like everybody else. Oh, you're standing up there in the pulpit. You got everything right. No, I live in the same broken, dirty world everybody else does. I told them I have to, every day I got to get up and commit my heart to God or my flesh will be glad just to pull me away from God. And you do that day after day and you get over here as a Christian and the flesh running your life and you're doing things that you can't believe. Because you have neglected that spiritual walk with God every day of your life. I got me some good preaching yesterday. They got a private audience, amen. <laughs> Leviticus 18, 22 through 23. You know, I have people that I love, I love dearly, who are caught up in all these sins. If it weren't for the grace of God, I would be one of them. It says in Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 22 that a man ought not to lie with the man. It doesn't matter if every nation upon the face of the earth embeds it into the doctrines of their laws and says it's okay. The law book says it's wrong. The law book, those boys. I said, you know what the devil does? He, he wants you to think that God don't want you to have no fun. I said, do you know where it's in the Bible, boys, where it says that sin is fun? They went, no. It's in there. Fun, sin is fun for a season, and then you pay, and you pay, and you pay. And there's always liars and those who will perpetrate that which is false. And I tell you, those who perpetrate it, watch this. Most of them making some big cash off perpetrating it. Just throwing that out there, whatever. Is this good this morning or what? Huh? Next week we'll do the love of God, amen? I can't help it. Jesus said, Dam he said, damnation of hell. Here they are, the spiritual leaders of a nation, dragging people down into the hole. And Jesus, in the last week before he goes to the cross and suffers for the sins of the world and shows his love, he says to the multitude, you better watch them. You better watch them. They're corrupt. There's a true and loving God that loves you. The Bible says in Corinthians that we ought to examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith. That's a scary verse. These guys, their hearts were so black and corrupt, I believe they believed what they believed. But they were wrong. 
It's incredible. You ever been in your life? I've done this a lot in my life. Had to look in the mirror and go, are you really believing, Daniel? Or are you playing some little religious game? I've had to do that in my life. Look at myself. And then how did you talk that way? And how, why did you think that way? And why did you do that if you belong to Jesus Christ? Nothing wrong with it examining whether we truly have received Christ as our Savior or we just said a bunch of words. Someone, hey, someone said, hey, say these words and you'll be okay. No. God wants our hearts. The Bible says in Romans 10.10, For with the heart man believeth unto salvation. People going to church everywhere think they're going to heaven because they go to church. They've been dunked in baptistries, think they're going to heaven because they've been, had their sins washed away. Don't say it anywhere in the book. Amen. I can go on and on and on, folks. God bless folks. So you got falseness over here. you got corruptness over here. And here's someone looking for God. And they say, where's the truth? I want, I want the joy and the peace that God's word tells me about. They get it through folk like us. If we don't try to walk with God, if we don't project that. You know, the Bible says, watch this, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitfully, deceitful and desperately wicked. That's talking about all their hearts, not my heart. You can laugh at that too, my heart too. My heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, the Bible says. I can't trust what these guys got to say. I can't trust these corrupt guys over here. I can't even trust my own heart. But I can trust the word of God. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And I got so much more to learn. But this book is a reliable document that tells me all things, where I came from, why I'm here, where I'm going, how to have peace and love and joy and forgiveness for all people in my heart. Book tells me to. I may be disobedient, but it tells me how to get there. Amen? Oh, God help us all. We're all sinners. I just chose to be forgiven of my sins through Jesus Christ. I can trust. And so you got all these false guys the Bible warns you about. you got all these corrupt guys the Bible warns you about. <clears throat> But I'm telling you, this wonderful book right here, let me just touch it again there. That wonderful book, if you read through that book, woven through that book, all the way from Genesis to the book of Revelation, just woven through it, man, it talks about the love of God for us. Any Those false people, these corrupt people, me and you, if we'll just confess we're sinners and call upon the name of Jesus, God says he'll forgive us and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. That's his word. His love is bad. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, I think chapter 8, and in Hebrews chapter 2 it says, what's this, I'm going to close with this. It says, what is man that thou, talking about God, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Why do you even think of him? Why do you even consider him when he's so broken? What is man that thou art mindful of him? What's this? And the son of man that thou visitest him talking about Jesus, that he would come and die on the cross for our sins. It is the hardest question in the Bible. I don't even know why God cares about me. I don't know why Jesus would take five minutes to even consider dying on the cross for me, but he did. Amen. What an incredible book. 
All the Bible was written by men. Incredible. Gosh, I love you guys. I pray we're not living in unbelief because of this false religion, false lies over here. I pray we're not in the bond of iniquity and living in sin as we're in our religion, the religion that God ordained. I pray we're not deceived by our own hearts. I'm so glad for the word of God. I'm thankful for the living word, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your precious, precious word. What a waste of time it would be up here and give people my thoughts or the passions of my heart, dear God. There are people out there in this world who are actively manipulating the scriptures to make merchandise of people and draw them away from you, dear God. There are people out there who teach, teach things that have no evidence, that are false, dear God, who are leading people away from you. I know this, if people have a heart for you, that you will reveal yourself to them and you will give them the truth. Perhaps today there's someone who's seen the truth, who your son Jesus is. Perhaps today there's a Christian who needs to get their life straight with you. I've been there, dear God. I've been the unbeliever, and I've been the Christian that ain't been living for you, dear God. I like being right with you, dear God. I like knowing that I'm forgiven of my sins, and I pray that would be the desire of their hearts. I pray that their sins would not be so strong in their lives that they would not trust you and believe that you can save them and help them with the problems of their lives, dear God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as always, no one looking around as I pray for folk here as we close the service. Are you here today and you say, Pastor Green, I know that I'm trusting Christ as my Savior. I believe that he is God in the flesh and that he died in my place. But, Pastor, as the word of God was being preached this morning, God spoke to my heart. I know, Pastor, I want to be obedient to him. I want to do... I want to say, I want to become everything that he wants me to be. I don't know what he spoke to your heart about, but I want to be obedient. If you're saved, you know Christ. And before we leave this place, you'd like me to pray for you. No one looking around, please. Just lift your hand, brother or sister in Christ, just for a moment as I scan the audience this morning. God bless all of you. Thank you so much. Put those hands down. Thank you so much. I tell you this often but I do not minimize. It is not contrite. It is a little thing that you would raise your hand and ask you, to, ask you to pray for me. I take that very serious. I thank you for your testimony of a lifted hand. I'm going to pray for you in just a minute, brother and sister. Let me ask one other question before we close this service. We'll have singing. We'll have an opportunity to make decisions for God. Are you here today? One other question. Are you here today, and when you came to church today, and you walked through one of the doors of this church right here, you thought you were all right with God, but you realize now there's never been a time that you've confessed to God that you're a sinner and asked his son, the Lord Jesus, to forgive you and to become your Savior. Pastor, I've been trusting in something else, but I realize today that I need to put my faith wholly in Jesus Christ and nothing else. And, Pastor, when you're praying for all these people, would you remember my need, my need to be forgiven of my sins and make Christ my Savior? No one looking around, please. If you would like me to pray for you, would you lift your hand for just a moment 
and let me see it and then put it back down. A hand in the back. God bless you. Don't want to miss anybody here. Anybody else say, Pastor, please pray for me. I want to be forgiven. I want to know that when I die, I'm on my way to heaven. Oh, God bless you. Father, thank you again for these people. I don't know what's going on in their heads and hearts, but they don't know what's going on in mine, dear God. First of all, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Oh, dear God, help them. What a journey this is in this life, oh, dear God. It's so wearisome. It's so unfulfilling. We, we reach for things we think that will make us happy and give us joy, and we get there and they don't give them. Help us to realize you're the only thing that can give that, that, that joy that overwhelms our soul, no matter what's going on in our lives. There are Christians here today, dear God, who are broken, who are discouraged, and they don't have to be. Oh, dear God, help them. I pray for my brother and sister. I, I, know, I don't know what their need of their life is, what you've spoken to them about, but help them, dear God. Give them wisdom and know, knowing what to do. Give them endurance to be doing it all the time. Help us not to have corrupt lives, dear God. Father, I pray for those who raised their hands or maybe should have raised their hands who need Jesus to forgive them of all their sins. Oh, dear God, I pray that they would so clearly understand that all they have to do is confess to you that they are sinners. But in the very next breath say, but God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me. And with all my heart, I ask him to forgive me and to save me. Oh, dear God, if they could pray that prayer with sincerity, I know you'd help them with the rest of their life, dear God. But they must confess. They must call upon your name for the forgiveness of sins. Pray you bless this brief time of singing, this opportunity to make decisions, to kneel at the altar, dear God. I pray we'd be obedient as you urge us in our lives. I pray these things in Jesus' name.